I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. You're listening to me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. This week, we meet Toby Uridan, founder of black women's media site Black Ballad, and we talk to Felicity Hayward, the body positivity campaigner, about why self-love really does equal beauty. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Fearless opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Um, now, did you know that 94% of the British media industry is white? When I think about everyone I know in the media industry, that makes complete sense, and I might have gone higher, um, but seeing the stats a bit shocking. One woman who set out to change this is Toby Oridan, and she is the founder of Black Ballad, a website that... Give me the beautiful line you have on your website, human experience. Yeah, telling the human experience through the eyes of black women in Britain. I absolutely love that. Telling the human experience through the eyes of black women in Britain. Toby, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Tell us uh, what for you was the moment that spurred you on to create the site? Um, Someone didn't give me a job. (laughs) I applied. (laughs) (laughs) I um, was freelance and I applied for a few jobs and then I applied for a magazine that targeted black women in Britain. And I didn't get the job. And I really thought I was qualified for the job. Like in terms of my mentor at the time was like, you could do better than this. Like, why are you gonna try and be an editorial assistant when you've been a features writer? And I was like, no, I just want stability. Like I'm 22, like I'm out of uni, I want stability. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the job. And then the editor kind of was really dismissive. Like she didn't read my CV. She didn't really read my application. And um, I just said, okay. I'm going to create something that's better. <laughs> Love <laughs> it. Um, so that was the moment it kind of all clicked. But I think I kept complaining about the fact that, oh, you know, I've interned, I've had my first job, but nobody looks like me in the office and in the pages, nobody looks like me. And if it's a black woman, she's more Beyonce than me. And there's mm-hmm. a huge difference. And I was like, it's just so weird. And then my friends kept telling me, like, if you really don't like it, then why don't you just do something about it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ugh you know, I don't really want to have my own thing. I just want to work for somebody. I want an easy life. (laughs) Um, So the moment I didn't get that job was the moment when I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And what was it like 
the first few days when it, you made the decision and then you had to get that website up and running? Uh, I said that in 2013 and it we launched like eight, eight months later in 2014 and um, I told as many people as possible so I couldn't go back on it. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. if I tell everybody and then it doesn't you know, manifest, everyone's going to be kind of like you just talk a lot like so I was like yeah so then I got everybody on board so all my friends that I thought were great writers I got them born like within a week um my boyfriend who's now my husband I said oh, you know you do digital marketing so why don't you just do the social media part and then why don't you be my co-founder <laughs> and do all the things I don't want to do and he was like okay and then he got his really good friend from school to design our first website so like in the space of about 10 days I'd kind of assembled a team and over eight months we all kind of work together as novices to create this like media brand and that was it eight months later we turned it out incredible and so how did how did it go from actually not getting a job that you wanted wanted to realizing more and more that black women were not represented in the media because i i agree i don't see many women that look like me walking around Mm. any media organization um i think it was the fact of that when we had launched black women of different ages Mm. And from like different parts of even the country kind of either emailed or said to me in person that, oh, this finally represents me. This is like a modern kind of, I don't want to say millennial, but like millennial, millennial. <laughs> yeah, millennial <laughs> brand. Um, and I think that was the part when I said, okay, like when you're in like a brand or your company, it's kind of hard to change the culture. Mm-hmm. And I was still freelancing and I, I kind of realized the that people weren't really ready to have that race conversation and mm. um, they were only willing to take it so far and as black women I think they wanted to take it deeper mm. they you know I get commissioned a lot to talk about race but you know sometimes you want to talk about sex you want to talk about periods you want to talk about politics and your race has nothing to do with it and the fact that people were just reading these things from a black point black female point of view I just said okay I need to carry on mm. um and here we are four years later <laughs> and have you ever been tempted to go go mainstream and go in-house into an organisation and change the culture from within because I think things have changed in the last two years people do understand intersectionality a bit more Uh, you do see more black women um, on the front of publications but also behind the scenes it's not huge amounts but it has changed in the time that you started Black Ballad to now Um, so I'm actually doing like a two day a week part time thing at the BBC just because they the department you know, got in touch with me and said that, you know, we want to kind of diversify our content with the BBC and the digital department. Um, and I went in for a meeting and they said, how would you feel about coming on board? And I said, well, you know, I can only do like two days a week because I'm also doing like a, doing my own platform. I'm kind of on this like accelerator program. So I said two days a week is like the max I can do. So I'm kind of in this department creating stories for black women at the BBC, mm-hmm. which has been an amazing opportunity for me um, to kind of see also how a bigger larger media company works mm-hmm. um but also to kind of create stories that i think black women want to see and allies want to see from mm-hmm. the point of view of black women can you tell us a bit about your success stories because i know i work with you on the king's yes. college accelerator program yeah. and uh, we had a chat the other day and you were saying how some you're finding this sort of uh, media talent mm. uh, and some of them have gone on to have quite a successful 
um, writing careers, yeah. right? So there's two people. Um, one girl uh, started working at Black Ballad when she was like at college, just doing it in her spare time. And she's now a freelancer at the BBC. Um, and that's literally just through, you know, us sitting together, creating stories, giving her a little bit of guidance on how to put something together. And now, you know, BBC call her back and be like, can you shift work? And that's great for her. And earlier this year, I commissioned um, a writer to write something on Love Island. And um, I remember she wrote it, she handed it in. I said, okay, we kind of need to talk about this. And it was a good piece, but I just knew there was something missing. And we kind of had this really great phone discussion. And since then, she's gone on to write 20 other, 27 other pieces of freelance work mm. for publications like Vice. And, you know, I saw her the other day at Black Girl Festival and she was like, you were the first person to commission me. You were the first oh, person amazing. that paid me. And I'm really grateful. Mm. And like, I've gone on to write for other people. And I think that's brilliant. Actually, talking about pay, because we've been talking about the gender pay gap and yeah. how women are not being paid between now and the end of the year mm. but that's also something that you do at black ballad you pay all of your yeah. journalists don't you yeah wow. yeah um i think money for some reason is a touchy subject around women mm. um and i think especially if you're a creative people ask you to do so much for free mm -hmm. um and i really wanted black women to be empowered to be like if someone says to you okay can you write for free to be like well no i'm a paid journalist i've written for black ballad and they paid me um so it's not just about paying because it's the right thing it's, i want to give women confidence i want to give women black women the confidence to demand their coin that they deserve i love that we are talking to toby Oriden, founder of black ballad we're going to keep talking to her after the break the vampire strikes back badass women's hour excel on talk radio we're talking about money and the importance of allowing women but particularly black women to know that it's okay to ask for what you are owed so when you started out in your career were you interning for free because this seems to be a big problem in the media doesn't it yeah i was and um it actually caused huge problems at home with me and my mum really in what way because i was interning for free for six months it's a long time that's a long yeah. time especially if you're living in london as well yeah and i didn't even get travel expenses oh my god mm. Yeah, and I was doing my dissertation at the time and then I was kind of writing for this magazine and I even had my own columns in it. And my mum was like, you're not doing the job of an intern, you're doing the job of like a part-time writer. Yeah. Um, and all my friends were telling me like, this isn't good. Um, and I think it knocked my confidence because when I first started freelancing, I would never ask for money. It sounds so weird, like four years ago, I'd wait for someone to tell me the rate. Yeah. And I learned a big lesson when someone said, oh, no, we don't pay writers. And I remember I was like, yep, never again. So if anyone asks me to do anything, talk, um, write, I'm like, what's the fee? Like, I, I feel so, I feel no way about it. And like, if it's a no, I'm like, okay, well then, unless I feel really passionate about what someone's doing, I'm like, oh, no. No. Did you Good. ever in those six months feel like you could ask for some sort of compensation, some expenses or anything? No, I, I didn't feel so because they it was kind of like they kept saying that, you know, if you just keep working for free, there'll be something for you in the end. So it's kind of like yeah. a bit of string. And I think that's what a lot of interns do. I think they don't do it because I think they do it because they think something else is going to come out of it. But nothing, 99% of the time, nothing really does. Um, and I think kind of that's been a problem, especially like in the media industry um, and where everyone's working for free. It kind of makes it harder for anyone to get paid. Mm. Does that make sense? um so yeah 
And there's a big difference between working for free because you generally have no skills and you want to learn what yeah. goes on. But when you start actually contributing to the business and yeah. helping them to make money, it's absolutely not okay for those people to be paying you, is it? At no, all? no. And so you are really clear that you pay all your contributors. When you were setting up the business, did you was that something you wanted from the outset? Was it part of your business model? Did that work? From the outside, we want, we wanted to, but we couldn't yeah. um, because we were just a free access blog. And then about a year and a half in, it just got to the point where I was like kind of embarrassed to keep, to keep asking people to write and the content was slowing down. And then we was like, how are we going to pay people? And then my husband suggested, I think we should go behind a paywall. I think we should do a membership. And I was like, nobody pays for content. Like nobody does. And then my husband was like, but people should you're doing a job people should pay these people and we had like a two-month break and then we came back with a crowdfund mm. and we got people to pay for memberships um, and we raised eleven thousand pounds in like six wow. weeks and then um that was how we kind of funded our new website with the paywall and then because people pay a monthly or annual fee of uh, 4.99 6.99 or 49 pounds or 69 pounds that's how we actually pay for all our writers and keep ourselves sustainable because i think things have changed people are willing to pay for content that they want from the times right through to extras on the economist or whatever publication it is that you read if it's something of value you're willing to Mm. pay for it and so recognizing that and putting that fee in place and then also keep making it clear that that fee helps bring put that content online because I think that's what people forget. When you pay for something, you get value. Yeah. And if you don't see yourself represented in the, in the media and you and you want that content, mm. actually, you might have to pay for it or yeah. we should be paying for it. So I think it was a bold um, business move on, on your part. I'm keen to know what comes next. Where are you taking the media empire to? <laughs> the media empire. Um, we really want to make sure that black businesses um, get exposure because the point of media isn't just to tell stories it's actually to advertise and a lot of black businesses black owned businesses they don't have the money and the budgets of you know what your Cosmo or your L will um, charge for like a little kind of square on a page mm. so we have a directory um, and if you pay your membership fee you actually get access to all to get access to, I think 15 brands mm. um, that give you discounts and they're black owned mm. so we kind of want to build that out and make sure we're giving people a ho- kind of a holistic lifestyle experience yeah and then we'll be taking over Europe and hopefully the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the site today and um, I said to you before the show that there was a story that I loved, which was about a woman who had run away from home. What running away from home as a teenager taught her about being a parent. Yeah. What has been your favourite pieces of content that you've published? Oh, we've ever published. Um, there's one... Um, one that I commissioned that I thought was really, really important was a few years ago, I commissioned a piece on the lack of black staff in higher education. Mm-hmm. And it just got a real conversation going. And I thought it was really important. Um, and I'm really proud of the conversation it started. Um, when we went behind a paywall, I was really dedicated to health. Um, and we have an amazing doctor who writes a lot of health and she writes about, you know, black women more likely to die from breast cancer, get thyroids, and that's really important. And I think one other piece I'm really proud of, I didn't commission it, our other editor, Jendela Benson did, and it was how black women um, don't show their identity when they're business women. Mm. So they will put maybe like um, a picture of a man or a white woman, and then when they go into meetings, they claim that they're the assistant. 
um, because they know that sometimes people don't want to work with black female business owners. And that was just a really interesting conversation. And it was just a piece that I knew you could would never be published anywhere else because mm-hmm. that's, that's so kind of ordinary. I've heard that so many times. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we put that on the website and like people who are allies said, I never knew this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really important. Mm-hmm. You were going to ask about a uh, co-founder. Yes, yeah. I was. So your co-founder is your now husband. <laughs> yes. How is that? What's it like running a business with your spouse? Um, you know what? It's not, it's not, <laughs> I think everyone thinks it's like really like, you know, crazy, but it's actually not. I think the, we have a clear division of labor. So when we're in the office, I'm the boss. And when we're at home, he's the boss. I'm super indecisive. Like I'm that person that's really annoying. Like in a restaurant, like I changed my mind like three times. When's your birthday? Yeah. When's your birthday? Uh, it was last Friday actually. Are you a Libra? No, just I'm Scorpio. Oh, just on the couch. Yeah. Oh, just chicken. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, like today I cooked two meals, like two whole you meals. Decide what to eat. And like, I still can't decide when I get home, what am I gonna eat? <laughs> but no, um, and I think, He's really supportive. Um, I think what's been interesting is that I think he's been able to see the sexism that exists in business. Mm, mm. So people, especially if it's men, they talk to him. Sorry, they talk to him, even though it's about a black woman's publication. And he has to do a lot of like, okay, Toby, you know, thinks this or Toby started the brand. And I think that's been good because it's made those conversations easier for us and he can see it himself. But you saw them, so Emma, you saw them together. Did you know that they were husband and wife? Because no. I would think it's interesting when you see um, founders that are in a relationship together, whether they're married or not, the dynamic they have when they're out. I, in... ne- I never clocked at all. <laughs> never clocked. <laughs> no. Yeah. When yeah. we're in the office, where Yeah, it was, yeah, business. You know, business, yeah. I'm Toby Oriden. When I'm at home, I'm Toby yeah. Oriden. But Black Ballad okay. is your vision, your thing, really. Yeah. yeah. And he's really supportive in terms of bringing it to life. And I don't love doing like the kind of um social media side and okay. like the kind of you know so he takes that on board and we join on the business side yeah but that's one of the things that you you said right up front you built a team and yeah. I think lots of people that are building businesses forget that team bit they think oh possibly I want to be an entrepreneur yeah. and they think you know it's all about an island one person going on this lone journey of pain but actually if you bring people together yeah. and treat them well amazing things happen so how big's the team now and, and what sort of things have you put in place to make sure that um it works because so, that's the next hurdle so i would say the core team is three of us so jandela mm-hmm. benson she's our other editor and then we have a pool of like i would say like now about consistently 50 freelancers mm-hmm. that i can like, wow. reach out to but i've always had this thing i think the biggest lesson i've learned in entrepreneurship is that i kind of believe you should be the least talented person on the team mm-hmm. I think that, like, if you want a great business, you should be collaborating with people that are better than you. Mm-hmm. And I always say that Jandela Benson, she's such, she's a much better writer than me. She's a much better editor than me. Mm-hmm. And I have no shame about that because she's brilliant. And I want to create a product that's not just good. I want to create the best product. Yeah. So I actually purposely go out of my way and be like, if you're a better writer than me, you should join our team. Or if you have, like, a skill set that I don't have, you should be on board. And I think that's why Black Ballad is growing the way it's growing because I'm not afraid to kind of be like, Oh, you're better than me. You should join me. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. I love that. Toby, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. If people want to find Black Ballad and learn more about it, where should they be looking? Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. And it's Black Ballad UK. Ballad as in the song. There's no R. Beautiful. And the website? Blackballad.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. In the studio, we have the fabulous Felicity Hayward. Welcome. Hi, darling. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Felicity, you are wearing an incredible hoodie, which we've been talking about in the break, which says, self-love brings beauty. Tell us about that. Well, I started this, this hashtag, this movement in 2015. I, I have been modeling as a plus size model for the last six years and got scouted in an East London pub, dancing to Diana Ross and got asked to do a shoot with Anna Nicole Smith. (laughs) And... (laughs) That's been a nutshell. What did you think when they asked you, do you want to come and do a shoot as Anna Nicole Smith? I just thought this is going to be really glamorous and my nan's going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought it'd be amazing. And um, yeah, I've been modelling for the last six years, as I said. And it got to the point that every time someone would interview me, they'd always ask me about my health and my weight. And it started to just really really bug me because I'm like if I was a size eight you wouldn't be asking me how many times I've gone to the gym and in my head I was like if I could inspire the people that are interviewing me to have self-love within themselves they wouldn't push their insecurities on me and having to keep asking me about my weight which has nothing to do with the campaign that we're talking about Mm. so if these people understood that self-love brings beauty we would stop so much ignorance in in this in this industry I absolutely love this campaign and it just totally speaks to my heart. But I wish that I, I mean, sorry, this is a personal question, but how old are you? 30. So I probably learned that at about 30 and I wish that I had known it when I was in my mid 20s. How did you come to have that level of kind of awareness, resilience and self-esteem so early on? I think for me, it was my grandmother so she has just been a rock throughout my whole life and when I was younger I think I used clothing as an armor I come from a small town called Bury St Edmunds and I was always the weirdo in in my hometown I always had big thighs big bum and I always used to dress like a punk you know I've, I've always been that person and my nan was such a rock for me in just 
telling me to be unapologetically myself. And I guess I had a bit of teenage rebellion and I was like, I can wear this, I'm fine. And I feel I use that armor, use that clothing as armor until I kind of moved to London. I moved to London when I was 17. So, and I went to university and I feel like when I got here, I just found all the weirdos from all the small hometowns. And I was like, <laughs> hey, we're all here. And actually like we can be, we can be ourselves here. And I feel like that's when like my confidence really bloomed when I was about 18. And just having that like, I just didn't really, I didn't really care what others thought. And I think that's such a big thing as women. And I, the way that the media portrays bodies in in this industry is it's so tough for young women to be confident in themselves and I think that's you know one of the reasons another reasons why I started Self Love With Beauty because I was like if we can kind of make sure that the young young girls and boys understand that how amazing they are at an early age and to not listen to the pressures that people put on us yeah so I agree with you but I think it's going to be really hard because I think we'll start to see over the next couple of years, there are going to be more and more campaigns that talk about childhood obesity. So f we can all stand up and say, love yourself as you are. And they're mm. going to get a completely conflicting message in school from the media through their parents about obesity. And we all know those scales. Uh, yeah, I, they really need to look at the scales of obesity and everything yeah. else um, because you're probably telling a child that is absolutely fine, they're, they're obese. How, how do you do both? How do you campaign and build confidence and self-love whilst recognising that structurally within society there are messages that are telling them exactly the opposite? I think people, I think the problem we have is telling people that that are overweight and, and young children that are overweight that it's the worst thing in the world and the way that people use the word fat as such a an aggressive and awful word mm. children and adults are never going to change and want to lose weight for their health or for whatever reasons if they don't love themselves first mm -hmm. you're not going to go into the gym if you don't if you're not happy with at least 10-15% of yourself so I, I want to be in a position where I'm like you need to understand how, how beautiful and how amazing you are as a person and once you find that you can make the changes that are your decisions whether the doctor wants to tell you to lose weight mm. or your family or whoever it's your decision mm. I'm not a doctor you know and I understand that there is an obesity crisis but for me I just want to make sure that everyone knows their value and their worth for whatever size they are and then if they choose to make a decision that's their that's their choice going back to what you were saying whenever you were interviewed people would always ask you about your health but yeah. you're, you know you're right they are not asking size eight models but we all know that you just because you're a size eight that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that you are healthy mm -hmm. either so uh you know we can it, it you know you, you can be whatever size you are that doesn't mean you're an unhealthy person mm. is it so I think you know you're right in terms of that self-love and getting people to and add, let's add mental mentally healthy into that as well because yeah. I think we always yeah. bring it down to the physical but yeah. it is about it's about the whole being yeah. so just on that point my granddad is you know, he, he used to be sort of quite a tall strapping man and as he's got older he's he's become smaller and, and, and slightly shorter the doctor told him he was obese and that's yeah. what I mean it's it's just a re and he, that he needed to lose weight and we were like his his in our eyes, he's tiny, but on yeah. the scale of what older people should be, he wasn't necessarily small enough. And so I think there, there is just, no matter where, there's a, a really, there's an odd narrative that's coming through, sometimes through 
the um, medical guidance and it's filtering through because of you know, sugar campaigns yeah. and it's hard to navigate but what you said there for me was that self-love bit means you know how to hear the messages wherever they come from yeah. and you know what to do with them and also like I've the BMI is such an outdated mm, that's what they did it yeah. off, yeah. you know because I did something on this a while ago and <laughs> You can't, I think it's such an outdated, if someone is working, like for example, an England rugby player, mm -hmm. huge, mm -hmm. stocky, really heavy, is going to be classed as Definitely morbidly obese. obese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, He's playing rugby for England. Yeah. yeah. He's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like insane. And the one thing that I also don't like about the BMI scale is you have underweight, mm -hmm. normal overweight morbidly obese you don't have morbidly underweight mm. yeah which yeah. you equally mm -hmm. can be right which you can yeah. be yeah. It's, it's always if you're bigger you are the devil mm. so is that not part of the campaign then well there's a weird thing around size which means that it's somehow ethically and morally better to be underweight than overweight so there is a moral um, kind of yeah, a moral failing put on you if you are overweight mm -hmm. that you are somehow a person that has done something so wrong mm -hmm. that society just doesn't even want to deal with you mm -hmm. and that's in our language in how we deal with people in the fact that we pay people who are overweight less than we do people who are significantly thinner it's a very weird concept that we have around size in this world yeah mm -hmm. How did you find that, particularly in the fashion industry? Because is it changing? I mean, it's definitely different now than it was, but deep down, is it changing? Uh, baby steps. Yeah. Baby steps, it, it is changing. But within the last six years, when I started, I was an editorial girl. So I was kind of used as a little bit of, oh, there's a curvy girl and she got yeah. shot with the right person and she's flavour of the month. And then because there wasn't that many brands doing it whereas now a lot of brands are breaching you know doing plus size mm -hmm. so there there has been like people are understanding like there is a need for it what do you think about the term plus size though do you think we should be having a, you know a lot of brands have separate ranges yeah. don't they do you think we should be having separate ranges or do you think we should just be broadening sizes i mean that would be the ideal that you know you have a teenage girl going shopping with her girl gang and them all being able to buy the same jacket. Mm, yeah. That would be the dream. But I mean, the term plus size, it's weird because a lot of women have taken it and made it such a positive, empowering word. And they've taken it upon themselves and just like, I am plus size and I'm proud. But at the same time, we don't have minus size. No. Yeah. So it's just, again, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one to answer because... Mm the way that I see the word plus size and the way I see like my friends and followers and people online use the term, it is in a positive way. Mm. Yeah. But you can definitely hear it when someone says it in a negative way. <laughs> and that's when you're like, oh, minus size too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you think this week of the Victoria's Secret CEO uh, defending the fact that there were no plus size or even, you know, I would say neg negative in a little bit size models on the Victoria's Secret camp on the Victoria's Secret catwalk because it's a fantasy and we want to protect the fantasy of this incredible beautiful sexy women what were your views on that 
<laughs> the women at Victoria's Secrets are beautiful. Super of beautiful. beautiful. But yeah. every woman is beautiful. They are, but That's the training my... regime they go through to do a fashion show is intense. Like it's like yeah. a, a weightlifter would go through. <laughs> I did um a simply be We Are All Angels campaign this week. I oh, saw it on your Twitter feed. Cool. Yeah, yeah, for us that was um yeah, just trying to show that actually all body sizes can be angels and all body sizes are worthy. And I don't want it to be, a, you know, I don't want to sit here and say that those girls that do Victoria's Secrets are any different because they were all women. But it doesn't help that they don't show anyone over a size six because yeah. it's young girls that are going into these stores like... Well, they've lost loads of money. That's what I think. Yeah. That's, I was like, Victoria's Secrets, you know... They're in massive financial trouble. So, are they? Apparently so, yeah. Oh. Declining profits. Yeah. So, and I, I think this is where brands sort of start to change when it hits them in the pocket. Mm. And whether it's Victoria's Secrets or other brands that you know, over time just aren't relevant because they are not speaking to most women. That's when they start to change, but the change comes too late and then it almost feels insincere, especially when you've got the chief marketing officer making comments, comments like that. If yeah. next year they suddenly change the catwalk, actually it's a bit tokenistic. Do you think he might have said them though to get to get press? To get some press, possibly. No, because no, well, no, they've done, they've then you know released a statement. He's the sort of man, who, he, de- he, he just, said it, yeah. Yeah. he said it. He was like, it's all about the fantasy. He likes being surrounded by... You know, super tall. He's a short man, super tall, thin <laughs> and it women. Is male fantasy. Naked. They, it is yeah. his fantasy. It's yeah. probably what he thinks about all of the time. So, no, it wasn't a let's be smart about this one. I love um, the concept that self love brings beauty. But if you are somebody who's sitting at home listening to this right now and you're not feeling that level of self love, what are some steps that you can take to maybe just feel a bit better about yourself and put the attention back on yourself? I think just taking some time off, especially from social media. Mm-hmm. Like last Sunday, I was off social media for 10 hours and it was actual bliss. And I think just making sure you spend time for yourself, whether it's like making a playlist, running a bath, like ignoring your emails, ignoring your phone and not feeling the pressure all the time. Because I feel like we all feel pressures like constantly of just like having to answer back, having to comment back, post. Yeah. You know, and I think also self-love isn't something that happens overnight. And I think all people think that that is something that can just be you snap your fingers, you wear a hoodie and and it's not that yeah. at all. Like surround yourself with people that love you and not people that are going to just constantly drain you because that's not going to make any. But I think also self-love, you need to understand where you are in that self-love mm. spectrum. Some people can't do the self-love because they need therapy. It's okay. Go to therapy. <laughs> I love me some therapy. It helps you get closer to the self-love. So I think yeah. people need to understand where they are on that spectrum. If for some people it is do do a detox, surround yourself with friends, but you're probably in a good place if that's yeah. how you reach self-love. Um and so you know, I I I I'm being really honest with lots of young girls that I meet now. Sometimes you have to think about going one level deeper and having therapy and, you know, or CBT or, and most schools provide these services. Actually do the work now because I think it's the one thing, you know, what's the one thing you tell your younger self? It's like, go and have therapy. And when you don't need therapy, have coaching. Mm. And when the coaching doesn't work, you probably need some therapy. And it, that's how you get through life. 
as an adult. That that's my lesson yeah, in adulting. I'm doing it all, isn't it? And then I can do the self love. Yeah. Then I can happily sit on the sofa in my pants and eat a whole bag of kettle chips and know it's absolutely <laughs> fine <laughs> because you know I'm not in a dangerous place of of self harm because the self love is there. Yeah, I'd say there's also something about look at who you're following on social media. So yeah. one thing, God, I wish I had had when I was. 16 and a size 16 and just thought that my body was desperately wrong and if only I could change it in some way shape or form life would be magically better I wish that I had had been able to see people who were my size Mm. looking fabulous having great lives loving themselves it would have I mean it well for a start it would have knocked off about three years of therapy Mm. um I think who you follow surround yourself by people who inspire and look like you as you are now, mm. not the you you think you're going to be in your head post diet. Is it hard? It's hard to self police yourself, though, isn't it? Sometimes I think on social media because those people are there, right? We can we can curate our social media with all yeah. the people that you know do support a you know a good mental state, but there are just lots of people that are just fascinating <laughs> that don't support our mental state. It's very hard to self police, I think. It is the lesson growing up, I think. Felicity, you have been a delight to have in the studio. Thank you so much. Thank if you, people ladies. want to follow you, which I thoroughly recommend, where can they find you? Twitter and Instagram, just at Felicity Hayward or Self Love Brings Beauty on Instagram. It's a beautiful account. It's only going to make your day better. Go follow it immediately. Thank Bye. you so much for joining Thank us. This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.